as I quoted yesterday the Buddha's last words saying all composite things are impermanent or unceasing changing in a way It's valuable to take this a bit further because of how strong our, what should I say, biases, biases of self-centeredness, biases of fixedness, so even in the Heart Sutra, when we speak of the five skandhas, the five different facets or aspects of being human, notice that only one of them, form, can be thought of as (coughs) solid, much less fixed, but not really fixed, but solid material, something that we can grasp. Everything else is at best process, sensation, conception, discriminatory creations, consciousness, whatever words you want to use to describe who and what we are. Who and what we are, which is really what our practice is encouraging us to become, be intimate with, be who we truly are, and cease to believing things, getting stuck in things that make trouble for us and others. So, Today, I want to begin a text called Komyozo Zanmai, which can be translated as either the practice of the treasury of luminosity or as absorption in the treasury of light, light, luminosity. This is by Kohn Ejo, who lived in the, primarily in the 13th century in Japan, and was the primary successor of Dogen. So Dogen Zenji's primary successor is Kohn Ejo Zenji. And as he acknowledges in the very first sentence, the Shobogenzo of Dogen already contains a fascicle titled Light. Light. And in fact, some of you know very well that 
in my own book, Everything is the Way, I've got two chapters, one titled Light and the other titled You Are Light. Light. Now, light, in a way, is opposite of what we often think of as this solid, fixed self that we are, this body. Though we could say, okay, body-mind, but still, still, we have a sense of fixedness and self-centeredness and separateness. And yet, what Ejo says, in fact, this essay he's writing is to bring out the essential matter, which is that, as he puts it, the countenance of Buddhism is absorption in this treasury of light. This is the essence of the Buddha way. What is this? For, for the talk, I will be using two different English translations of this text. The text is originally in Japanese, and there's two existing um, English translations. They're both good, but sometimes it's useful to go from one to the other to see alternative ways to express it, this matter in English, which is what most of us speak. One translation is by Anzan Hoshin and Yasuda Joshu. I should say Yasuda Joshu Dainan. Both of them are Roshis in a Soto lineage. And the other one is by Thomas Cleary, a well known translator. So, this treasury of light is the, or luminosity, is the essence of the Buddha way. Essence. So what is light? In fact, if you remember, I wrote of a wonderful Pali text, chant, that we used to do in New York Zendo when I was training there called Atadipa. You are light. You are light itself. Do not doubt. You are the light of the Dharma. You are the haven of the Dharma. You are light. So what does it mean, you are light? In fact, in the Blue Cliff Record, there's another case, which I also wrote about. Yunmen, Master Yunmen, 
says, everyone has light. When you look for it, you don't see it, and it is dark. What is your light? Your light, L-I-G-H-T. Now, when we think of light, first, we need to be very broad in our looking at light. So in one sense, those of you who have some scientific background are aware that light has a number of different ways of functioning. It moves. It moves in waves. And it's just part of a whole spectrum that we think of. A spectrum that we, if you wish, can include sound and other forms of waves, other forms of X-rays, other forms that even we're not aware of. Of course, light isn't only the light that we see. We have a very limited range of what we see as light, as you know. There is much more in the way of light than what we see. And in a way, we might even say that the whole of our life is light. It's waves, it's particles, it behaves one way, it behaves another way. We could say the electronic signals in our body, even the chemical signals and synapses in our body, brain, nervous system are really other forms of light. Other forms of light. And of course we know very well that all sorts of creatures on earth see very different light than we do. Light and waves and sound, all different aspects of this ongoing changing that is who we are, that is our universe. In fact, everything on earth is just transformed sunlight. Or I should say everything that's alive on earth is transformed sunlight. And even the so-called solid things are just transformed (coughs) forms of the Big Bang, if we think of it in that way. But what could he mean when he says, light is the essence of Buddhism, absorption countenance of Buddhism is the absorption in the treasury of light. 
What could he mean by that? What is being light? Konejo says, this so-called treasury of light is the root source of all Buddhas, the inherent being of all living creations, the total substance of all phenomena. And that this treasury of light is the complete awareness of spiritual powers, or at least that's how we translate it into English. Or say it a different way. It's the each particle of light contains the infinite particles of totality that are found right here, right now. Now, what does he mean by all this? What is light as a practice? What is a practice of light as the Buddha Dharma? Now, of course, it's very interesting, at least in English, we have the word, when the Buddha is awakened, we say he's enlightened. Now, I don't mean it just to play on words, but what is the Buddha's awakening or seeing the light, or better yet, as he says, being the light? How is that the essence of the Buddha way? How is that the essence of being just this moment? What is that? Well, let's see if we can look a little further and make some sense of this. Konejo says, this light practice, one's practice practices all beings. Or, to say it differently, what different translation says, it's carried out by oneself and influences all others. Working unseen, secretly acting. What is being light? Well, for one thing, we all know you can't grab on to light. Correct? And yet, you don't escape light. In fact, the whole process of our awareness, whether it's with eyes or ears, is light transforming into feelings, thoughts in their arising and passing 
which is being just this moment, which isn't any fixed self-centeredness, and yet we believe it is. But nevertheless, it never is. The light that makes it possible for us to see makes our brain, if I say it in that way, function, is constant movement, movement at a speed that's way beyond our comprehension, though we could say the speed of light is, and you all know what it is, 186,000 miles per second. Second? Can you believe that? Second? Of course, there's other aspects of light that move at different paces, just as the waves of sound move at a different pace than the waves of light. And yet, our functioning, the waves of the light that we are, function at these speeds as well. The synapses in our brain of the electrical movements that somehow give rise to feelings and thoughts, to love and hate, and to all other variations are just the functioning of this light. This working unseen and secretly active light that we are. So being awakened is being awakened to the light that we always are. Always. That mysterious cause and effect that we as humans <coughs> sense and then can make trouble with when we misapprehend who and what we are in all sorts of dreams and believe separateness and believe self and other in ways that creates trouble as opposed to being this ongoing changing ongoing moving of light, the ongoing exchanging of light, that's the mystery of being human. That's why he could say one's practice practices all beings. But he does have this added proviso. This is clear to those long-time practitioners or those who have practiced Zen for a long time. What does that mean? What does it mean to awaken, enlighten what we are? Or, if we say it differently, to be the light that we always are. Be the light that we always are. Each of us, each of us, says Yunmen, 
has light. Each of us is light. Doesn't mean that you have to create some special light. Your very functioning at this moment is not a static solid, but is the movement, the functioning of light. That's the essence of who we are of each particle of the totality of what our life is. And our opportunity is to share this light. One, to appreciate it for ourself, to be awake. In fact, we know that being awake is a different state of call it waves and particles, than when we're asleep. Nevertheless, even when we're asleep, asleep, all of these waves, particles, movements are occurring in a different realm, in a different way than when we're awake. goes a step further and he says everyone is light it's the root source of every living creature the root source of every living creature is he just being metaphorically the total substance of all phenomena the treasury of the great light of spiritual powers of complete awareness. What does he mean by that? Well, certainly one thing he means. He says, because this light extends throughout all time, If there were any attaining of it, in other words, any gaining of it, if there were any gaining of it by any being who thought they didn't have it, that would be something extra. That isn't the way it is. Fundamentally, he's starting off with this point, fundamentally, light is who and what you are. And that's what I wrote about. And that's what Yunmen talked about. Except when we believe otherwise. Except when we're caught in a dualistic world view. The whole universe is just this light. And as we know, in a scientific sense, the whole universe 
is permeated by forms which are this movement of light in different ways. Some more, quote, solid than others, some more dark than others, some we call dark energy, some we call dark matter, just different forms of the same light. Not, it's the same, yet it's different. The same in the sense that it enables us to extend and to connect with who we are when we're not blinded by delusion, if we use that word, or confusion, if we use that word, or a story of self and other that wants us to miss this light, that leads to not seeing this light for what it is. If we reflect <clears throat> reflect upon what the various aspects of practice or the Buddha's teaching are about, they're all about allowing us to be the light we are by seeing if necessary, what we're doing that keeps us from the light, that gets in the way of the light. Being mindful, if I use that word, or experiencing, is another way of opening ourselves up to the light that we call experiencing, or we call awareness, or we call whatever other name we want to use. When we talk of precepts, what we're talking of is ways to encourage us to cease doing what gets us in trouble or that hinders the light, even though it can't hinder the light. And yet, we can cease to be who we are and create trouble because of that. So, for instance, Konejo quotes, what is enlightenment? And the, you could say, what is awakening? It is knowing your own mind as it really is. Now, of course, mind is nothing but another form of light or energy or whatever you want to term you want to use for that non-fixed substance that we are. This is unexcelled, complete, perfect enlightenment. in which nothing at all can be attained. Why can nothing be attained? Because you are always light. Because, he says, the form of mind is enlightenment. It's not about knowing there's no knowledge, there's no <coughs> 
conceiving or understanding that's necessary. Awakening or enlightenment is formless. It's the formless of things that's called the form of space. Formless. Formless in the sense that it's no separate, fixed entity, which is who and what we are. No separate, fixed entity. Now, he's starting this, he's saying this to help us start seeing what creates trouble. The point of practice, or if we just start simple practice of Zazen, we just talk it that way, or of Zazening throughout our life, or he says the practice of the great vehicle is awakening mind that moves us into the unconditioned, guided by selflessness. And why do we say selflessness? Because, he says, those who've practiced in the past have noticed that the basis of so-called physical and mental elements, or you could say the five skandhas, are just uh, illusions, illusionary. (coughs) They arise and they pass. And it's, if I add on, they only become trouble because we hold on to them and we make them into self-centeredness. So, all sorts of practice is to encourage us to be the functioning of light that we are. Not because we think it out and say, oh, I'm the functioning of light, but because the very functioning of you hearing, seeing, and all the other aspects of the experiencing of being who you are reveal from the inside out the very nature of this that you are. You can call it awareness, fine. You can call it awakening, fine. You can call it being, experiencing, all sorts of words. We humans are very good at words. But what he wants us to note that it's only if we release this fantasy of self or self-centeredness or selflessness, being selfless, selfless that allows this awakening of this fundamental that we 
always are, that we don't have to gain, we don't have to do anything to become, because we can't be other than this. So, we talk about precepts in all the different ways. Oh, I talk too much. Well, one more point I want to make, and then maybe I'll stop. Um, So, I want to talk about, I talked about Richard yesterday, and I wanted to talk about another practice (coughs) of his that in a way links in with what this text is saying, which is the practice of sharing Dharma. In the Bodhisattva precepts, this is the eighth precept, um, being generous or being generous with the Dharma or not withholding. In a sense, this is another aspect of how we give up this self-centeredness that we hold on to. See, it's another way of allowing the light that we are to come forth, even though it can't help but come forth, and yet it cannot do so for us if we hold, if we begrudge sharing who and what we are. So one of the practices that Richard had as a scientist, as I mentioned yesterday, was he shared his data of all sorts, unpublished data, studies that he had done but hadn't written about, with others who were interested. He gave it to them and said, you can use it freely. But he not only did that, he also shared his material um, material things, both financially, he would support all sorts of causes, many a number of Zen centers, even though he was very much, well, he might have been so-called member, but really wasn't a participant because there was no, um, uh, for mo- much of his time, there was no Zen center in San Diego, so he supported Zen Center in Los Angeles and Zen Centers in other places. When there was one in San Diego, he financially supported that one as well. Um, When there were friends who had financial needs, he shared with them. Sometimes they knew, sometimes they didn't. Whether it's in terms of their house payments or their need of a car or regular financial support. Certainly, because of his um, biological and uh, zoological interest, he shared with all sorts of birding and animal um, conservation societies. One of the things that um, my wife noticed this year and also in the past was 
every time at, towards the end of the year, all of these institutions who he sent money to would send him calendars. And he had these piles of calendars in his house because he was, you know, sending out money to all sorts of places. And one of their ways to uh, acknowledge it and I suppose to also encourage you to send more is to send out calendars so that if you use them, you remember them all the time. And uh, so, but this is one of the things that Cohen Ejo talks about here. Working unseen, secretly active, one's practice practices all beings. Or to say it a different way, the unobtrusive application of inconspicuous practice carried out by oneself and influencing others. This is not begrudging, not begrudging the Dharma, or being generous, being generous. And there are all sorts of levels of us being generous with all the beings we encounter, most of all sharing ourself by being present for them in the way that they are, not in the way that we think they should be, not in the way that we think, well, how are they going to do it so that I get A, B, C, but being with them as they are and being with them as they are not. Being with them. This is all around the practice of being light. This being light that Konejo says is the primordial awareness It's the awareness that never moves, and yet it's our own capacity of opening, of being openness, which is the free functioning of awakening. Okay, I will stop now. I've just touched this, but I know a lot of you will say, well, what's he talking about, all that light and stuff? So we'll see if we could make it unfortunately, more solid. (laughs) But really the point is never to solidify because it can't be solidified. It is who and what we are. I'll stop now. Can I say something? Sure. Yeah, when you say solidify, it just brought to mind, like, we can even solidify things like generosity, you know, and think like it always has to look one way. Yes. And that that can be its own kind of problem. <laughs> yes. And as you know very well in the poem on Call Me By My True Names, even though I'm going, I still I'm just arriving. He talks about that very specifically. And what is it to be the light that jumps as the frog popping into the water and the snake opening its mouth and swallowing the frog? That's the true name of the light. What is that? 
What is it, the flower that opens to the bee? What is it, the flower that not only sends the light out to the bee, but can hear the bee's buzzing and adjust its pollen to the buzzing bee? See, all we have are forms of light if we look at the molecular level, if we want to say it on that level. Forms of light are what make our hands go up and down. It's just forms of light. We call them nervous muscles, energy, nerves. We call it brain functioning. We call it different names. But it's calling names no problem, except if we get caught in those names and we lose the fluidity, the light aspect of who we are, the ongoing changing that allows us to do what's called for right now without being bound by that. See, that's always what our practice is. Being this that we are right now inherent as our life and being able to respond within our capacity at this moment of being awake and being aware or insisting on our self story our limitation story and making trouble for ourselves and others. Yeah. Um, I, I think that we often say, oh, there's so much light in so-and-so, he or she. Uh-huh. Um, that's all. Isn't that what you do? Your, your mm-hmm. task is to transform form what you see, which is light, into another form so that it can be seen. Sometimes it works. Well, it works all the time, but it can't always be in a way that's appreciated. Even when it doesn't work, it's working, and yet it doesn't quite do what you had in mind. But well, that's sometimes okay. it works in its own way. Yes. The surprise. Yes. Um, but the the lightness in uh-huh. certain people. Yes. Is is a, a delight. Right. And. That's a wonderful word. And how can we delight in those who aren't light enough for us? And yet, if we can let down our blinders then we can appreciate even the light in them. Even to the extent that the light is hindered or troubled, we still can see that light. See, because it depends on us. You mentioned to me the work of Mother Teresa this morning. So... How is it to see the light in someone who's dying of a terrible disease, suffering as they're doing that, and yet see that light in that too? 
not discounting or trying to push away the suffering and the pain. Just as the Buddha said, look, I'm an 80 years old, I'm an old man, I'm only held together like an old cart that you tie up to keep it going. The only time I don't have pain, the only time I don't have suffering is when I'm in deep samadhi. Otherwise, I'm in pain. Pain is the light too. And the Buddha's in pain. The Buddha's lying there with intestinal disease and leaking in all sorts of orifices because of his illness. Look, he says to his disciples, this is being human, being composite things that are always changing, subject to coming apart. When that's so, that's what he says at the end of his life. He does it. Don't turn away from it. Look. We could give all sorts of magical accounts and say, oh, he wasn't in pain. And we know very well he was in pain. He says it. He ate food that further exacerbated his illness and it was very hard on him. But being able to look at that as it's happening, being able to be open to that as that's happening, is what being this light is. To see all the varied forms of light. That's what that Thich Nhat Hanh poem that I mentioned, I mention it because Lisa so resonates with it. Or maybe sometimes she does. <laughs> But that's what he talks about. How do you see the light in the person who's committing murder? How do you see light in the person being murdered and in pain in that process? And that doesn't mean, oh, it's all light, so it's all the same. No, we're not talking about any such thing like that. We're not talking about Pollyannish stuff. And yet, the fundamental aspect is that one's practice practices all beings. To be able to be and see the light in all conditions and circumstance is then to be able to function as best we can, or to see where our light is covered over and blinded. That's why we use the phrase, caught in self-centered dream, holding to, and then you list what you hold to, to remind us that it's us doing that hinders the light, though it's not hindered yet, it is hindered for us. And our task, in a way, is to reveal the light that's always there. So it's not we're getting something else. It's the light that extends throughout all time, throughout all space, as we know.
That's why we have the practice to encourage ourselves to be the light that we are, to be the luminescence or whatever word you want to use. Remember, we could use all sorts of words. To be the light. When you're sitting, all you're doing is being light. If you want to say being experiencing. If you want to say being not knowing. You could say it in different ways. If you're being something else, then it's a dead thing. See, we're not, when we're alive, it's just the functioning of light that is our aliveness. We sense it in different ways. You don't have to say light. You could say it's a functioning of waves. You could say it's a functioning of electricity and nervous synapse, nerves and synapses, etc., etc. It doesn't matter how you talk about it. It's just different ways of talking about the same thing, fundamentally. And we know it. We know it because we know the difference between when we're so-called alive or when the body is dead. That is another form of life, but it's death. And it's no longer light. And there's no longer, at a certain point, the kind of energies that we have when we're alive. But I'm talking too much. Yes? So what is <coughs> around in my head, uh, as you said, um, seeing the light in someone who uh-huh. was suffering. We, yes. we got a call, my brother-in-law's in the hospital, he has sudden onset dementia. He's a young man, uh-huh. and he's um, really bad. Maybe they're looking for brain disease or tumor or something. But I've been uh, I've been kind of dreading going up to see him because yeah. I feel afraid of his condition to see him like that. So you feel afraid. See, that's the hard part for us. It's us to be in the presence of this being and how they are. And we are uncomfortable, if I say that, or we are shocked by being with them. But I want to tie it into something that is coming in for me, accompanying this. And that is that it seems to me that intrinsically inside myself to be and see the light in him and remember this dimension of his existence and mine too, is love has to accompany it. Yes. I'm wondering, what is the relationship between love and light? We say that a lot in this day and age, you know? It it has to do with letting go of self-centeredness, letting go of likes and dislikes, judgments. We'll talk more about it. This text goes on. I'm just picking highlights from this text. But, yes, mm-hmm. it's that we are willing to be in certain situations and not willing to be in others. We don't want to face 
let's say, in that situation. The, whether it's our pain or his pain, or our reaction to his not being how we remember him, how we think he should be. What seems to climb over all those walls is loving him, going to see him and feeling my love for him, feeling my love for him, and that will climb over all those walls. Well, it's willing to be there with the experience that arises for you and to notice when, if you use the word you use, you put up the walls because Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. too hard to be here. It's too uncomfortable. I'm afraid of it or whatever other story. I can't take anymore. Now it's okay. It's important, in fact, to recognize and titrate when you can't be there in a skillful way. Mm-hmm. Not to create, I should always be there with him the way he is, though I'm about it. We have to recognize that we can't run when we're just learning to crawl. When we crawl, we crawl. When we could stand up and walk, we walk. So whatever, you have to recognize what you're capable of when you're with him. Mm -hmm. And to see what supports you to be able to be present with him. And what is too much for you, whether it's because of reactions or for whatever other reason. But if you have a heart-opening practice, that that can be a great support and yes. accompaniment to right. holding that light, to being the light and seeing the light in others. And do it in a skillful way. So to be, as I said, to know where... What's so for you when it's happening? Mm -hmm. (coughs) Otherwise, we create these new demands on ourselves. I should be able Mm -hmm. to, and maybe even beat ourselves up because I haven't been able to, or force myself to, even though I'm really. Well, before your talk, um, I was really dragging my feet, but it, now it feels very invitational to me Good. to to remember myself and remember him and be together yeah. with him in that way. Yeah. Okay. And even now, you could include him in your sitting and in mm-hmm. your session, even at a distance. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean something magical. It means something real, the real magic of being present the real magic of experiencing or of being the light of the luminosity. It's really magic, if you think of it, that you could see something outside yourself. We just get used to it. Well, it feels like a transformation, right? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, from fear to, to love. Okay, doesn't seem to be anyone else, which is good. <laughs> we, I will continue other portions of this text tomorrow.
but different portions. We can, I'm just selecting certain portions, but this, in a way, as I said, this is a very basic, important text. Okay, thank you.